you're about to enter seventh heaven. If you like this pod, then you can show your support by rating us five stars and hitting that little subscribe button to help us climb the pod rankings and spread the sevens gospel. If you're looking for extra content, you can go to our YouTube page or our social channels, Twitter and Instagram, our handle at seventh heaven pod. Again, like, subscribe, share, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to your celestial one-stop shop for all things Sevens and to a very special episode of Seventh Heaven. We're in the clouds today. We're joined by the man whose name is on the lips of rugby lovers around the world. He's the current vice chairman of World Rugby, but is Augustine Pichot about to become the top dog, having launched a bid to depose Bill Beaumont at the summit of the world game? Now, his progressive views have ruffled established feathers, but struck a chord with others who feel the game needs a total reset, and he's the man to hit Control-Alt-Delete. My old mate Melly Dean joins us at the top of the show too. Personal trainer to the stars, comedic hand grenade of Instagram, all-round top man, and best mates with Show from their time together at my club, Richmond, and really the man who's brought Peach to the pod Myself, Mitch and Chip were very excited for this one. So let's see what the Argentinian legend had to say. One night in heaven, one night in heaven, one night in heaven. Gus Bernsey here. How are you, mate? Thanks so much for taking the time to jump on the call with us. Mitch will laugh because I'm going to laugh about Meldine. So I'm going to take time. five o'clock in the morning doing very serious interviews. Not saying that Yoshi's not serious, but at least Mel makes me laugh. So it's good. So, Gus, both Rich and Tom play for England 7. I'm sorry about that. We met um, in the servants quite much, so it's good. Yeah. I see him a lot during the year, so, yeah. Although, although, England, although England is not voting for me, I'm okay. I would, <laughs> I would not put them in, in the stress of asking which, uh, what, what they, they will support. So, it's okay. Mel is half Irish, so he's, he's also betraying me. But that's how you like it, isn't it, Gus? You're standing up for the little people, standing up for the tier twos, the Pacific nations, you against the world. Uh, I've been there before, but again, it's not about, again, if, if probably we will share the same views of, regardless of the political and, and, and all that, that, that part of that is, that is part of the governance, I'm sure that with the guys, we'll, we'll agree in the same principles uh, and how, how rugby should go forward. I'm sure that they we will be thinking very alike in 80% of the things. So again, what happens uh, in the vote will happen. But at the end of the day, we need to modernize the game. Regardless who takes over, uh, the game has to have a reshape. The players should have to be on the center of the of the decision making. And I'm not saying because they are again. Uh, I've been there. I know how it how it works. And, I, and I've been in the government body, so I understand the dynamics and the bureaucracy there and why some things are very slow and, 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 and some many minor adjustments will make it much, much dynamic. But again, um, uh, we will see how it goes. Peach, I just want to know, when you were putting up your, your bid, did you mention my name? That's all I just want to know. <laughs> did, you, did you drop me in there? Yeah, in, there's, a, there's a committee 
a soup committee, a soup soup committee. The giraffe committee that, that you're in charge of all the tickets and all the, all the um, hospitalities and royalty. So you, you're in charge of bringing celebrities to the, to the games and, and you have the free ride. You can have everything you want. That, that's your department, man. Yes, well, I'll just, I'll put the boys straight there. Pete calls me a giraffe because when the World Cup was on in England, I had tickets and uh, lanyards to get in everywhere. The top, oh, Peach looked after me. And whenever I made it a point, um, whenever Peach was standing, talking to someone important, very important, I would stand beside him eating something. And he would be going, he's eating again. I don't believe it, he's eating again. But uh, a giraffe, apparently, this is what they say in argy-bargy land, they take from the top without paying for anything. So that's why I got the Top Giraffe Award and I was very pleased to be presented with it before he left for Argy Bargy at the end of the World Cup. Correct. And the rest. <laughs> and you're his right-hand man taking all the lanyards. You're meant to be here to big him up. Mel, not drop him in it for giving out to the hospitality party. No, he, he looked after me. That's all I'm saying. He looked after me, Burnsy. So I'm all yours, guys. So, so how, are you, how is London? How is the lockdown? How are your families and friends? And I assume that things are getting tough there. Yeah, I think we're managing all right. Um, it's obviously a pretty pretty dire situation, but I think we're probably a better place than most. Rich has got a hell of a setup. He's on the Isle of Wight, on a little island away from it all. So he's doing all right. He's uh, He's got a lovely little spot. Bunkered down there. Bunkered down with my in-laws, though. That's the only negative. So I've got the, uh, the, 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 the mother-in-law. So trying, trying to her, keep, keep on her good side. But everything else is going well. New kid's going Chippy, fine. surely she's listening to the pod. You don't want to slag her off on the pod. I'm sure she's an avid listener. She just downloads it and then says she's listened. And I say, oh, did you hear that bit? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no idea. She's Swedish anyway. Rugby's the second thing. What about you, Gus? How's Argentina? Well, Argentina, we've been in lockdown for the last month. I think Argentina was one of the first countries that when Europe started uh, hitting the roof, uh, Argentina was already locked down. I came from Europe from some meetings we had in, in, in World Rugby in Paris in the middle of the when the pandemic was starting. So I managed to get out and then I arrived here and then I've been locked down since then. So I've been one month and a half and I discovered that I have and I still don't have any abilities in the house. If, even if I try to, I, 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 I figure out that I, I do not. Uh, I didn't what try to cut the grass of my garden. Uh, I, I, I tried I try a couple of stupid things and I cut my fingers and I, so it doesn't work. I'm very useless. Um, I didn't try to do, I, I was about to paint and I said, then I look at, I went all in and I went to the bucket and said, no, there's no fucking chance. I was going to spoil the whole house. So I said, I better run for chairman. I think I that's, that's, that's a better, better, that's a better <laughs> idea. Let's better way to spend your time. Here is the only part of rugby of the house and keep out of anything that moves regarding washing, cleaning, doing the grass, the pool. I just out. I mean, here protected. I mean, I was going to ask just that, uh, Gus, because your bid to become chairman was at the latest it possibly could be. That was the straw that broke the camel's back, was it? The no jobs to do around the house. <laughs> I was too relaxed. I was getting bored and I said, okay, let's, let's, let's run for, why not? <laughs> so, 
I left it, to be honest, and that's many, probably you guys tell me, I was surprised by a lot of journalists and a lot of of friends and and around the world that say, why you leave it so late? And and to be honest, guys, I I just, when we decided in January, when when Bill decided to go with France, then there was no negotiation possible for for a a balance, you know? I wasn't going to go with Bill, I said it to him, and and I was very straight. I, I, and again, Bill is a great guy. I said to him in, in Japan, I said, Bill, we have different philosophies. You go to or at one pace that I, and, and he said, no, you carry on pushing and I'll be the, your, like, like your bigger brother. And I, and I enjoy that very much the first couple of years. But then when you want to do some heavy, for example, the quarterfinals in sevens, I had a big rupture there, as, as people know. And I give sevens because here I have some guys that have been there. Small things and big things like the global calendar were things that I, would, I was being restrained. And I said to Bill, and I didn't want to break ranks with him, I said, Bill, and I'm very vertical and lawyer, I said, Bill, I'm not going to create a problem now. I'm not going to go to the press to criticize some of your mates and, 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 or Twickenham or, or whoever. It's not, I'm not like that. So I said, I, I can't carry on like that. I, I prefer to go home and, 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 and I, you can carry on if that's the case. So I thought that from that, the World Cup to... January, the North and the South were going to get some balance and, and, and some understanding. When, when he announced his, 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 um, his bid in, in, in January and put Bernard there, then Sansa, we had a meeting late January and Sansa said, Gus, will you lead us? And would you go with one of us? And I said, well, I would be going against what I said. We need somebody, we need to balance governors. <clears throat> so that's where I decided to go. We decided to go back with chairman, no, with no having a, a, a vice chairman. And people say, why? Well, because at the end of the day, it's better to pair with the other group and have a better governance. And I truly believe this. You cannot govern. This is not politics as uh, uh, Tories. And uh, it's not that way. I think you have to be combined to uh, rugby. You need everyone at least with the different views, but in the same table. And that's why in February, we're going to announce, and suddenly we're in the middle of a pandemic. How I will announce when I had to come and give some comfort to my employees and other people taking care of what was going on, the whole thing was erupting. So I said, I'm sure these elections will be postponed. I was convinced. Everyone was convinced that there's going to be some common sense to say, okay, let's let's push them further down the line or next year. It would be the most, and I, that's why I, it's not that I relaxed. But I said, well, we can hold on, and there are other important things to take care of than, 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 than an election for World Rugby. But the decision was taken, and then in, in two or three weeks, uh, I had to write a manifesto, Rick, that I already had with me. Not that I had to go out and I wrote it. I, I spent time on what would I like, or what have I always wanted for, for, for World Rugby to be. Even when I was playing, I was fighting. If you look at articles of myself in... Um, in, in 2005, 2002, 2005, about the players being representative. I was a player about the better conditions for the world, for the voting structure. Argentina only got three votes last year, one year and a half ago. And we've been in, the, in, the, in, 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 in tournaments uh, since 1970. So uh, that's another reason why. why Peace, just quickly, am I a little too late to join the bid? I'm just throwing it in the hat, my hat in there. <laughs> we thought we thought about you, but but 
uh, yeah. I'm really, yeah, but you didn't make the cut. I spoke to the Brunel, our, I, I, as you know, we study with men. So I spoke to the Brunel teachers and, and they said to me, no, no way. <laughs> Mel, is that why you're on here, Mel, to launch your, this is your bid here. This being is launched it, on this the is it. Oh, you didn't know it, boys, but here we go. <laughs> so just Gus, picking up on some of that stuff, like when you were a player and you felt like you weren't well represented, do you not do you not think we've come very far in that? Because uh, I kind of maybe Chippy and I can give our opinions on that after you've answered. I think we haven't. I, I I've been speaking to Conrad Omar from the international players. I've seen I spoke to Rachel quite a lot in the last years. I think and I was part. I'm not I'm not saying I'm I'm not I was part for years, so I can blame myself as well. And I didn't probably didn't push it as hard. There's always a this is the and this is the old thinking of and I was speaking to to some of the international players yesterday, association yesterday, said it looks like players and governance, they always have to fight. And, and that, that, that maybe is the case of negotiating in the unions and, and how your contracts, the labor, and, and, and that's fine. Regarding the government body, when you take decisions, it's about the game. It's not about the, the, the commercial contracts. You know what I mean? It's not about how much does if if if, uh, if an England player gets paid twenty grand to play and and a and a and a, and a, and a woman on the sevens and men get paid much less, or in Fiji they get a hundred pounds a game. That's that's something that you cannot interfere because those are all labor um, contracts, as you know. Each individual will, will will manage that. But I think that is in the responsibility of world rugby to govern in the decision-making with players and understanding. So if you have to go to a reverse share distribution, then you will understand that Fiji, for example, will need more because when they want the players back, they cannot afford to pay the salaries, or not the salaries, but the shortfall that they make in if they're playing in Montferrand. And that's, that's something that we made in Argentina for the rugby championship in 2012. I want to speak to every single club to trade that. Because at the end of the day, I wanted the players to make a lot of money in their clubs as much as they could and, and have a great career in their clubs. But also I want them to have an amazing career for, for England, Argentina or, or, or Fiji. And that's, that's the, we, don't, we cannot be always fighting against the clubs and against the players. Yes, we have to find a way how to balance you know, the, the calendar that is complex. But that's, you need the players, and especially for the decision-making of those calendars and what's happening. And I, I truly believe that we haven't engaged as much as, as we sh should have. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think we've experienced that with the sevens. I mean, simple things like having player advisory boards and stuff, it's kind of ludicrous that that doesn't happen. I mean, obviously on the sevens circuit, we've, we'd need representation from all of the teams, but there's no real logistical reason why that can't happen. And... It, I mean, again, it's something that I feel like I should have pushed for much uh, earlier in my career. But um, are those the kind of things like having player boards? Is that the kind of thing that you see as being important or are there other kind of mechanisms that you'd want to put in place? Yeah, and it's immediate. I think it's immediate that, first of all, well, it's, you need to do it. And again, I can show you that the first meeting we had was in Dubai this year. And I called it. I went to Dubai to meet all the players. And because... I thought that this quarterfinal, the structure of the of the sevens wasn't good, and the players and coaches were 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 not happy with it. 
and I and I place. I went to Dubai and I just went for that meeting. I called the International Players Association and every coach and representation from players from every nation, men and women. So and that was the first meeting that we had. Uh, and those are the things that I, I will. That again, I think strongly. You know what I mean. Uh, and and I think we should do more. Who can give you a better understanding of the game? The loss of the game, the contracts, the commercial, the welfare, than somebody that is 24/7 living or, and, and, and playing the game. That's, I am not. Any board member that is sitting around is not. So the simple answer: Who is the most important part of the game? And I always said this. It's not my political career. I always said it. Everyone that knows me knows how I think. Uh, I'm not there being on the VIPs that Mel enjoys every single game. <laughs> uh, it's good. It is. It's good. It's worth I it. Him my, I give him my my tickets most of the time. He can enjoy uh, talking and, and 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 doing the politics in 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 royal boxes. Um, but again, I, I strongly believe that the players will give you a, a much deeper and, and understandable way of how the game should be run. It's going to be weird looking around at the next World Cup and Mel Dean's handing out the trophy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, Peach. You know it makes sense. You know it makes sense. Peach, no, this is this is a. If you want to get your kit on and you want to join the session that's going to be on in six minutes, you can get your um, get your gear I'm on. I'm an administrator. We don't do fitness. We 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 just. Eat and drink. I think I'm an administrator as well. Then <laughs> I'm gonna say you didn't do much of that back in the day either. Uh, so Mel, have you, have you got to dive off, Mel? Yes, I got a rock and roll. Have we got time for a story about Gus then before you jet, jet off? One that's gonna keep his campaign. <laughs> One that's gonna keep his campaign on the right track. He can spoil my he can spoil my beat in. <laughs> oh, it's just nice to have that, isn't it? It's just nice to have it in the. It's nice to have it in your pocket. I'll cut, I'll cut, I'll cut your balls. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic! No, I can't think of anything that would be anyway half decent to actually tell. But um, but yeah, I've got to rock and roll, and I'm sorry to cut it short. But Burnsy Legend, thank you very much for um, having me on. But I don't know if I if I leave, do I take Peach with me because I called him? A very good friend, amazingly, an amazing person. He's so funny. One of my so greatest funny. friends I met in rugby, a top human being. I absolutely love Mel. I've been a victim on his Instagram many, many times. So. Obviously, you want to look after the Pacific nations. You want to look after the tier two nations. And that's, I think that sings to the hearts of every rugby lover. But, you know, you've got USA going bankrupt. You've got Australia in trouble. You've got all the other unions looking like they're in financial trouble. How can we support the little guys if the big guys aren't be able to take care of themselves? What chance have they got if all these powerhouses are struggling financially themselves? That's a good, it's a good um, analysis at the moment. We, I think there were two crises, uh, one before the COVID-19 and, and one after. Um, the before is this, what you're just saying, and I, I don't want to be the Robin Hood here because it, it sounds nice and it looks like uh, a beautiful story that you take from the, the rich and you give to the poor. Um, and, and I don't, and I don't do it that way. I don't, I don't believe in that. I believe in I'm, again, I'm a business guy. I believe that the richer 
or, or, the, or not the rich, let's put it, the, the more established nations should carry on being successful. But then you have to, you have, to um, have a vision how to make the other emerging nations follow that path. And, and the Argentina example is, is a good one, and you've seen it. Then you have to be more creative how you bring the same to other nations that are in the level of the game that they are, Georgia, Romania, Fiji, um, that they have been very close to that group playing-wise. Don't, don't remember, guys, that for me the most important thing is, 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 the, is the game, how you play it, and, and you don't have to just kill the guys that are good playing rugby just to put, you know, it doesn't work. I, I don't believe in that. So, and, and the same happens with, with the sevens, the same happens with the women. We have to create a better product for then fulfill those pathways and those plans. Maybe it takes you two years, maybe four. Argentina took them six to get into the rugby championship. So, but at least there was this pathway that people understood so you're a boy or a girl in England. You know exactly what you're going. You're going. Uh, you 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 play for mostly uh, or Richmond or Bath or or in the minis on a or, or, on a on a on a club down the road. Then you go uh, to a, you can have a professional uh, contract, and then you are seen to play for your country in sevens or uh, or in on in fifteens. That's many countries. Maybe surprising do not have that because they cannot afford to have that. So I'm not saying that you should jump in and say, oh, you should put uh, tomorrow USA in the rugby championship because the, the money's there. That's not the way, or Canada, because the money's there, or Brazil, because the money could be there. You need to create, with the help of the established nations, a pathway for the emerging nations. It's, it's, it, it, it sounds simple, but it's complex. And at the same time, the, the rivalry between club and union that we're having has to be aligned as well. So there are many parts of the jigsaw that has to start working with a, with a different vision that what we have today, because we have been adapting and reacting to professional rugby in 1995, and we never stopped and decided what's a better shape for the game, and especially for a young girl and a boy to have that pathway. Sounds bang on to me, Gus. I, one thing that's been banded around quite a lot, especially on social media, um, now that rugby's in a bit of trouble, is that some of the guys at top level, top clubs, are being paid too much money. Um, and it's a really interesting debate because I think we all think that players should be remunerated properly for the services they offer and stuff. But it sounds like it's kind of beyond the, the means of the game to be paying players this much. And the plan you're talking about is probably will lead to kind of redistribution down the line, like we're talking years down the line. But it is, I mean, do you think that the top players in the game at the moment are getting paid too much? And that's not saying anything about individuals, but just as a general approach to the way we remunerate players at the moment? Well, you just said it. Um, it's very simple. There's one cloth that has to put, you put on the table, yes? If you use everything to cover one space at some stage you need to pull and you will need you will be short for and again and you you experienced that in the profit we all did and i again i was the lucky one to be paid very well paid that makes amel dean that was there with us that was a great friend of mine he was going to get paid much more less correct and we play in the same team it's very difficult to change that because as you said 
it's very difficult for 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 a coach or a player even to decide his future and and, and have an income for for his future to say I will I will learn less because I'm thinking of somebody that will that is not as good as me and has to be paid the same. So that discussion is very I love it. It's philosophically great. I think it's it's and everyone knows what I think. It's very difficult to put in place. What I think has to be put in place is the restrictions, and you and you've seen it with the salary cap. How you control, and you've seen in the NFL, if you have to pay 30 million to one quarterback, uh, then that would leave you strained to have a successful team because you spend most of your money in one figure and not in the rest. So those are the things in discussion. I think rugby should go in in the future, but that's something that the clubs should discuss as well. And and to be honest, the clubs financially, they have been running a race that they can't afford. They've been losing money for the last 20, 30 years because this race of paying, if you pay, and we know the numbers, if you pay 2 million pounds or 1.5 million pounds to a player, and we don't know how it works, and you have to pay a a second scrum half or a third scrum half 10,000, if you get injured or, or somebody's called for England and then you have to play in those in those stages, a different scrum half that is not on that level, you know the outcome. Um, and 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 these are the things that I think rugby is getting to a point that having to be thinking of how to spend the money accordingly. Because at, on the other hand, paying a player 1.5 million pounds will not guarantee you success. I know. Look at Mitch. <laughs> Tom, I, w- I Tom, wish. Tom, you made the big box. I wish. Doesn't deliver. <laughs> it's true. Mitch, Mitch has been a star. That's how it is. When you're good, you're good. Good looking. He's he's on the on FHM magazine. Uh, <laughs> you know, you have, he has the complete. Uh, he's the complete product. He's good. Yeah, so you can come on again every week at this right? <laughs> Mitch is enjoying this. Two long-haired sweepers complimenting each other on the pod. It's it's nice nice to hear this. Hey, uh, Gus, obviously we're, I mean, we talk about everything, talk a lot of nonsense as well, but sevens is our bag. Where do you see sevens fitting into the future of rugby uh, in the immediate future and the long term? Well, I've been, as you know, my first, I was, I was the one that fought very hard to be on that when many of the countries that you guys love uh, were against it. With Bernard uh, Lapasset, we were fighting to get rugby in the, in, in the Olympic Games. Because we truly believe that that's another way of bringing a, more, a, a dynamic, a, a young, and, and, and at the end of the day, countries could adapt quicker to, to build a side and to, and to be part of, the, of, of, of international rugby. Um, I took over, I, I was the chairman and I, just, I was one of the decision makers and was in my strategy to just go to Vancouver, go to Singapore and to upload it, the, the, the series. And, and to create more women series. That, that's all what, what we've been doing the last couple. We, I think we made a mistake about the quarterfinal that we have to readjust. But at the end of the day, my, and, and I put, I, I'm pushing, and unfortunately this COVID stopped it, but we pushed to have regional tournaments or if you fall out of the series that you don't fall out on, a, on, on playing twice a year. So all those things I think has to carry on. My biggest question, and I was speaking to the Spanish guys to Pablo and Keith, that are the Spanish. I was asking them in Vancouver. I would like, and this is my pearl, I never touch about it. I would love to a, a year-round 
seven circuit. I, if I was a, a seven player, if I was a seven player, and I decided to play sevens, and I'm good at playing sevens, and and, and I train, and I've been, I would love to play all the way around and having a break to just reset. That I think is it, it should be more than fifteens. Uh, I think sevens, it's 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 more aggressive. You 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 burn more. You you it's it's it, you travel more. So I personally think if I were if and I would like to listen to the players that. I would love to have a year-round uh, world circuit. I personally, um, uh, but again, this is up to the players to to leave here. Uh, many weeks, how they get again if they get paid enough and all those things that I cannot. But if I was a, a seventh player, uh, I would love to have a calendar that started in in whatever month of the year, north and south, with a pre-season, going through, understanding when I travel most of the year and then have some periods to rest because you need to rest. But you having that framework in your head of the whole year, not having to see, okay, sometimes I come back to play for my club. This is that sometimes I have to travel when I'm going to rest. Uh, or there's an invitation, there's sevens here, and maybe I'll go. So those are the things that I would, but that's my personal view. And, uh, you know, Gus, we had Perry Baker on last week. And he is an unbelievable showman and he engages with the crowd. He takes energy from them. He gives energy to them. But he's come in for criticism before about this. And he, he defended it absolutely to the letter and justifiably. Do you think that we need to make the product on the pitch and the product surrounding the game day experience more entertaining, more attractive to certainly a younger generation? Because rugby's great because it's got integrity and it's about respect, but it can be viewed as a bit stuck in its ways. And do you think that we've just failed to move with the times and, and try and engage those younger audiences? One of, one of the po points of, of my manifesto was technology and innovation. I would put a, I would put a, a, a committee, not a committee, I would put a group to, or management to build an innovation department. It's, 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 we haven't engaged for the loss of the game and for uh, e-gaming or uh, fun engagement, we haven't, we haven't, we haven't done that, and it's it's like we're still going. I uh, think in us buying the one pound program on a stadium. I think I think uh, we were we 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 are really behind. Jonas Lomu game was brilliant in 1995. We haven't done anything about it afterwards since then. So lots good. Of, there are lots of Best things game. that you can, you can engage, and, and 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 again, I'm a lover of digital and, and technology. Uh, and I think we should go that way 110%. Were you a character on Joan Lomu, Gus? Uh, I can't remember. I think I was, yeah, but I, I didn't have <laughs> a don't lie, don't lie. You know, I think you I was know too your young. stats and everything. I was too young. No, I don't, I, I don't know. No, I think I wasn't, no. <laughs> well, I, I played that World Cup, so I should have been. I don't know, but I, I don't know. Oh, I think if you're if you're in that World Cup, then you should definitely be a character. Man, that get that game resonates with everybody of my generation, the generation below, the generation above. All those names, household names, because of the you game. You select Argentina, to be honest. I always select New Zealand, and Lomu just pressing the, the when he used to go over players. So yes, I remember using the two buttons on top to just go over. So I always was New Zealand. So yes, I can't remember if I was there. Is it true that Sarevi gave you that treatment as well? He gave you a one-on-one, -on -one and he gave you the run straight over you, or is that a myth? So, Mel Dean been selling spice. 
A lot of players did that. I can't remember Serevi going through me. I think that he went side me for sure. I don't think that Waisale was the guy that was going to run over you. Well, I was too small. Maybe he's the guy that he could have run over. It would have been me. Yeah, probably he did. Were you a sweeper back in the day, Gus, in your sevens days? Yes, I was. That It's a tough place to be, isn't it? That's tough. That's tough. It's only, you're only... You're only a sidestep of being embarrassed by the crowd. Only one sidestep from a, from just even a prop of 140 kilos can embarrass you in that position. It's happened to me many times. Stepped, bumped, rolled over. Oh. I'm, I, one of my strengths wasn't uh, the heat on tackle, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, you were probably lucky though, Gus, in your day. They didn't run it around on social media over and over again like they do now. Correct. That's, that's true. That's true. There is, a, there is a great video of Mitch being run over that gets replayed on World Rugby at least at least once a year. I need to write in and ask so you're them talking to about, stop you're it. You're talking about digital engagement. Mitch has got it locked <laughs> yeah. down. It's the wrong type of engagement. So you and Bill Beaumont, you've got pretty similar manifestos, pretty similar visions, and both obviously want to do good for the game. So is it just a battle of implementation of how you're going to go about it? So say we wake up tomorrow, you're chairman. How does the game look in 12 months? What changes have you made in that time? Well, the most important is the mindset, to change the mindset. I think always as a, as, as, as a leader of you guys that play the international game, you know, you need to put a plan and, and start changing, make, the, make your team believe that you can, you, can, you can win and you can make things different, but they have to believe in your vision and your mindset. I think the mindset of World Rugby has been in the last four years very very conservative and, and, and quite one dimension. So that's the first thing you need to change that. People will think, oh, what you do? Well, no, why Fitch is not playing? Uh, or why George is not playing the Six Nations in six months? It doesn't work that way. Uh, as you know, uh, the first thing you need to do is start the strategic view of the system with a mindset of change and a mindset of being, again, listening to the players, having more women involved, uh, and all the things that you listen that are very nice on a PowerPoint, but really you need to instrument them and, and, and make them work. And that's about the ability to just do things and not just to pay lip service to, to things. And I can talk about me. Again, I would never criticize how things have been done by other people, and I respect Bill. So I can tell you, about myself, I will try as hard as I can to implement what I just, or what I passionately believe. As, um, as like a leader, well, someone who's led their country in the game, but who is a leader in the game now in a different role and is potentially going to be the leader of world rugby in the future, what do you consider as kind of some of your qualities as a leader? This is obviously something that I'm kind of interested in personally and find really interesting in other people. What would you say are your qualities and your kind of values as a leader? For me, the most important thing, you have to be a, a good person and horizontal. I, I don't believe in vertical uh, structures. I've been, the way I learned to, to, to lead on the pitch and with my teammates was very horizontal. You empower people a lot. Uh, the youngest player, you, give, you empower him and you make him accountable as much as your, your most influential guys. And you create that by being, you, you being yourself, being, being, completely receptive and, and empathize with everyone in the organization. That's for me is crucial. There's no, I don't believe in layers of organizations. That's maybe like I, I run my businesses. There's no, there's no one that is 
uh, better. Somebody, everyone has their skills. Everyone gives something to the game, and and we have to respect that. And yes, you have accountabilities that are different. People that are being paid different, but that doesn't mean that the group ethic uh, doesn't have to be shared. You have to be in the office. You have to be with the team, uh, and you have to be uh, com completely advocate to just listen to the stakeholders, to the clubs, to the private equity, to the to the players, as I said, as the main thing, and not be insular, thinking that from Dublin you can just play the 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 the, the like the power powerful entity and everyone re respond. I don't believe in that. That's awesome. Gosh, real quick, real quick one. Um, where do you stand on the Nations Cup? Like, uh, what value do you put in it, and is it something that you're going to push? I think yeah, the concept. Then how how it lands is the. But the concept of a glow, again, it's just organizing a meaningful competition. If I were a player that has been playing uh, without balance, without resting, without, it, it will it will jeopardize the whole system. If you put things like soccer does, when you have exactly the times where you rest, when you when you every single game you play is meaningful, and if if they're friendlies, everyone knows what they're there for and how to how how coaches need that to happen. I believe rugby, because we have only 14 weeks different to football or to soccer, uh, 14, and to complement the club and the, and the international game working together, I think that we have to have a meaningful calendar. And that's why the Nation Cup was so good, because it organizes the calendars. And what it was the old fashion of touring and going seven weeks, and then it was four weeks, and then it was three weeks, and then it was two weeks and one in the other, and then... I think it's been reactive of a way of being. Uh, and I think that can work for the Lions of being eight weeks on, on tour with 60 people. But that, that doesn't work for, uh, for example, a, a Welsh player that has been playing 30-odd uh, games when he arrives to, to, to May or June. And then he has his hamstrings uh, uh, on, on uh, like really damaged or his knee or his shoulder. And then... There's another hard tour that he has to go on. Uh, you know, it's it's you. He will just say it's a friendly. Well, I, I just you know I, I just stay and rest as it I happened think he, before. I think he'd go and play anything to get out of Wales. To be honest, he's <laughs> being serious. It, it's, I know, it's, I know, I know, that, I know. that's the concept, you know, um, and and hopefully that that can that can that can happen. It's a really tough one, though, because everybody loves the history and the heritage of the Six Nations. You've got the historic rivalries in um, Sanzar. I think that people are just scared of those being taken away. It's, it's, that, that's the thing. This is the thing that sometimes people uh, are afraid of things they don't know and people probably won't ex don't expect. I don't want to. Nobody wants that not to happen. Uh, at all, I think we want that again. What I said, we want the established nations to be, to be really strong. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, you need to give the pathway to other nations that in the future, if um, whatever country, if Argentina doesn't do well in the rugby championship and uh, Tunisia does well and has grown and has shown, then if Argentina doesn't has a bad uh, season or two bad season, then there's somebody that has a chance. And, and again, you don't have to be afraid of that. I, 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 I'm not afraid. It's, it's just a question of growing the game.
and, and, and having in Tunisia, a lot of people uh, getting uh, by playing uh, the new e-game and having Tunisia in there and playing with an Argentinian team. Those are the ways you're going to grow rugby. That, that's how, and again, it's not rocket science. Football has done it very, very well. And where does Sevens kind of feature? I know you've said a little bit about the vision you have for it in terms of the year structure and stuff like that. But um, I guess in some respects, Sevens is the most global aspect of the professional game to a large extent in terms of the uh, format of the tournament being in all the different countries. Um, but do you, do you see the Sevens series as being something that continues to be a big part of world rugby, that world rugby run or does someone else run that? Or and do the men's and women's series run alongside each other? Is there a bit more detail around like the future? What you see ideally for sevens? I, again, I, I, I love. I've been the chair of sevens for the, Bernard uh, asking me to do it, and I since we did we worked together in the bid. As I told you, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, potential still in sevens. Uh, I would like again. I would like to discuss more if if. Women wants to have a more standalone tournament, and um, and I think that's what what happened in the last women's uh, committee at last couple of times. So, uh, would love to discuss that before the before listening to the sponsors as well. Um, I think um, we need more. I think the series are are again if we expand them or not to twelve or fourteen. That's, that's something I would like to understand. If there's appetite in the players to do so, and for the women to have more as well, uh, that's one thing. Expand expansion and our expansion in the next cycle. Um, the other thing that I think is vital is the second uh, the, the second layer. If if you need to, it's like having the in tennis. And I've been looking. I've been meeting a lot uh, the tennis federations, looking at how the ATP the Master Series, then the ATP a thousand and so how points and how I've been looking the last two years, how if we can use a system where uh, playing, for example, if the England team wanted to go and play, like would say an ATP 500 tournament in Kenya, for example, like, you know, or the Safari Sevens, uh, then that gives you points, you know what I mean? So uh, that type of, of complexities, I would like to explore more. Because at the end of the day, that gives you the chance of bringing to the system more players, uh, dividing the squads, and, and, and probably not so much for England that you have, again, for other countries, uh, it will help to have that. For example, Uruguay or, or, or I don't know, or countries that are not in the, in the series, that you ask the seven players to play four tournaments or three tournaments in the year, and that's their exposure to, to professional teams. There's no way Uruguay can get better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Same happened to Chile. You know, it's, it's, and, and that's things that I would like to discuss. Yeah. And it's very difficult, I guess, to link in the importance of the Olympics across the world if there's not any sevens to be played for the four years building up to it and building up to the qualification tournament. Gus, you spoke about um, expansion of the legs. Um, for me, I would like, if I could put two more legs on the series, I'd go Fiji and Argentina. Where would you put two more legs if you had a choice? Fiji for sure. And we, are about, we were about to, to, to switch with, with New Zealand, as you guys know, probably. Uh, again, it didn't happen. Fiji wasn't ready. So Fiji was about to jump there. Um, I will put one in South America. I'm not so sure Argentina probably 
Chile or Brazil, Brazil would be an amazing place to put a players would love it. It would be an amazing experience. I think South America would be a good, a good. So you have, so you will have uh, one in, in every continent. So um, yeah, I would definitely go to South America probably without being or being complicated. But um, I'm, not, I'm not so sure Argentina, but Brazil for sure would be an amazing place or Chile. Do you still do you still play at all, Gus? Do you still chuck the ball around? Any vet stuff? <laughs> no, I only have them here just to watch them. I no, the day I finished playing rugby, I never again played. I I I can hardly play football. That we play with friends on Sundays. No, I had uh, again. I my body doesn't react well when I do uh, sports that are with. I you know I have I had some some uh, bangs on my on my on my neck and. Um, so I feel it, it. It's painful the following day. So I'm. I prefer not to do that. I go for for joggings around the park. I'm. I'm too old. Uh, it's a shame. We'd love to still be seeing you out there, Peace, like in a, in some legends or some vets games. You could play with Mel at Richmond. I played a vets game with it. Two years ago, I was in the in the, in the stoop. I was there and watched how the Irish. Which legends against the England legend, they're completely mad. They, there's something wrong in their brains. I, <laughs> I was, I, 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 I talked to them after the game. I said, are you, why are you, take, are you taking the piss? What are you doing? You guys, you, you can be, you, you, there's something wrong in your head. Honestly, you can't be playing at that pace. They were, they were, they were thinking like they were 20 and they were moving like they were 100. So, uh, and they were hitting themselves without, with, because they couldn't control their bodies. And it was carnage. I, I, I promise you, I, I could never ever be in a pitch like that with those crazy loopy guys. I, I won't. Smart. I can Very join smart. them in the bar afterwards, but I would never. <laughs> That's the right thing to do, Gus. I actually just have one more question. It's just a silly question, but I've always wanted to ask you about why you always wear trainers with your suit. Is that a medical thing, or is that just because you're a fashionista? No, I, one of the reasons, I first of all, I never liked shoes. I, I always, I thought, again, I never had to. When I went to, I went to school, uh, I, they obliged me to use them. So once I left school, I said I will never use them again. Um, and also, I think it, it's sometimes it's a, it's a statement to say that I still think like I'm, I'm a player and not, a, not an administrator. I just have that thing about like, that's where I'm coming from. And now it's not about fashion. People think it's about fashion. I started using them. A long time ago, and it wasn't fashion at all. It was, I looked like a dickhead, you know? It was like, <laughs> what is this dickhead using? He's using this, he looks like, a, you know, like, he, what? He's, he's, a, he's, he's a Latin American, a Latino grease monkey walking with, I said, well, that's right, it's okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe if I was a, I don't know, a, a British actor doing it, I would be very cool, but uh, it's not the case. <laughs> you look cool enough to me, Gus. Uh, look, we we got to let you go. I know you've been grilled and drilled by journalists nonstop since you announced your bid. Thanks so much, Gus. We're so grateful for you making the time to come and chat to us and coming on to 7th Heaven. And I think everything that you're standing for sings to a lot of rugby-loving hearts. So wish you the best in your bid, Gus. Thanks, Gus. Appreciate it. I, was uh, I, think... I know that you will vote You will vote for Bill and I, I, I know had feelings, but I really had a good time. I, I appreciate your time and, and hopefully I will... We'll talk again if it's not as chairman as a as a rugby lover as well. One night in heaven, one night in heaven. So there you have it, Gus Pichot up in the clouds, staking his claim to steer the game for the next four years. 
Some call him an agitator. Others find the progressive Kool-Aid he's serving up the necessary tonic to soothe the game of its woes. But what do you think? Send us your comments and opinions. And while you're at it, like us, share us, review us, and subscribe to us at 7th Heaven Pod on whatever platform you get your pods from. Shout out once again to Melly Dean for scoring the big interview for us. But until next time, from all of us at 7th Heaven, it is adios. Adios.